Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm Gavin Phipps, and this week I talk with Lewis Lancaster, the head coach of Taiwan's national soccer team, about the direction he's taking the squad. So, Lewis, you started off as the assistant coach at Chinese Taipei, or Taiwan, however people want to call the national soccer team, and now you're the actual head coach. So what direction are you taking the team? Uh, since getting the position, uh, the vision has always been very clear, and that's to develop the future of Taiwanese football. Um, I'm sure you're the same. I remember being with my family when we were young, watching World Cup games and celebrating all the England goals, rushing home from training. Um, so the vision is clear to develop the future of Taiwanese football. And, you know, the national team, we understand we have to create a top team to compete in the big games to give people moments they can cherish forever. Right, what about the quality of the players? Uh, I wouldn't just say the players, I'd say our whole programme has moved forward. It's a big team effort. I like to use the iceberg, so only people see that the players scoring goals. But actually, there's a lot of things that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see, such as who books the flights, the hotels, you know, when are we travelling, why are we travelling, and... Uh, the whole programme, as I said, has moved forward. Logistically, we're more organised than we've ever been. Our squad is younger, and now we have a clear style of football, um, which is fast-paced, it's aggressive. Uh, we want to suffocate teams out of possession. In possession, we want to play forward and have a style of possession that will hurt people. So you've got an attacking sort of style of soccer now, rather than a defensive one? Yeah, I just think, um, you know, we, we want to we wanna be on the front foot. I think it's a, a mentality thing. If you're, if you're dropping deep and the goal goes in, it's difficult to, to change that mentality. We're actually, you know, we, we want to attack teams. We want to be fast-paced. As I said, we want to be aggressive and we want to we wanna create many chances. And of course, what about your, your lineup, your format? Obviously, we spoke earlier and I said, oh, you're not playing 4-4-2 anymore. And you said, well, these positions is not quite, you know, what they used to be. When we talk to the team, there's a, there's a few phases of the game. There's in-possession and out-possession. They're the two main phases, but actually it's the possessions, the transitions in between. So you may have the ball and then you lose it, or actually the opposition might have the ball and then you win it. And it's those moments that are the difference. And I think, I think football's now changing where you can't say you're playing 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 because the game is absolute, it's an absolute mess. And for us, we need to be better uh, in those moments when the possession is changing hands. Right. And where you're putting your, obviously you're putting the focus on the whole team, but are you trying to put focus on defence, midfield or strikers? I don't think we can isolate it. When we talk to the team and we're coaching sessions, we'll do team sessions, we'll do unit sessions, so we'll just do a session or a talk just with the defenders or the midfield and strikers. But then we'll also have relationship sessions, so maybe we'll just talk to the right winger and the right back or the centre-back and the striker. So I think it's a combination of coaching everybody. Um, And, you know, I always say if winning looks like this, actually you're all parts of a jigsaw piece and we actually need to shave the jigsaw piece, trim it, edge it, whatever we need to do so all these pieces fit together nicely. If you had to pick a sort of a position or a play that the the national team you feel is the strongest in at the moment, would it be forward, defence, midfield? I would say the the biggest change is we're, we're on the front foot and we like to regain the ball high up the pitch and that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, it takes time you know you can't just come in and what people need to understand is with an international programme it's not club football you don't have the same players every single day um, we have to understand that our all of our squad probably play for 16 different clubs that's 16 different managers 16 different schedules uh, we've got time zones 
uh, a right back for us might play centre midfield for his club so when these players come in they're all at different stages and you need to get to know them very quickly it, that takes a lot of communication understanding and as I said you've got to trim those pieces down so they all fit but I'd like to think in doing so in such a little amount of time we do have that clear philosophy and that style of football which is to be on the front foot and be aggressive and attack teams where's the core squad based is it that most of the players play in Taiwan and you've got a few overseas players yeah. so the Taiwan League is semi-professional and a big bulk of that team is made up here but we have professional players that play outside so we have one in Korea we have four in China uh, we have one in England and and what's coming to light now is due to the success of, of what we're doing uh, more Taiwanese players globally are now approaching us. What about obviously scouting? I mean, do you have to travel overseas to get these players? Do you go to China to see the players play? Yep. So I'm a big believer in it's all about people. That's my whole philosophy. I just want to be surrounded by good people and I think uh, uh, it's important. So, for instance, normally what will happen is you'll send an email to the club saying, can you release this player? But actually, we don't want to do that. We don't want to hide behind emails. So we've made a big uh, investment in going to China and meeting these clubs in, in person. Because if you lend someone something, like if you lend me your mobile phone and I break it, you probably won't lend me another one. So if the club are going to lend us this player, we want to get this player in top condition so we send him back in better condition. So they're more likely to lend us the player again. So it's important we've gone to China and we've gone to these clubs to build a good relationship, a good rapport. So they're more willing to lend us these players and there's less fight. Is there concern amongst these clubs though that they might get injured when they're playing for a national team? Yes, but I don't think that's that's not just us. That's just world football. Like Look at home in the Premier League, for instance, the biggest brand in the world. They're paying their players £250,000 a week and they have to play for England, but this is part and parcel of it. And that's the biggest thing I would say that's changed now in the national team is the mentality of the players. The players want to play for this country and it's probably the first time now where players are actually competing. You know, we've got three or four very good strikers. We've got three or four really good right-backs. We've got eight, nine, ten very good centre midfielders and the intensity and the challenge has gone up in training and it's one that players have relished and they've taken to it. What about the players that play in China and the players that play in Taiwan? Do they play sort of different style of soccer? They can do, but um, th- this is a really in-depth conversa- uh, conversation now because the way I like to think and develop people. So I'm a big believer in that any player on the pitch is going to be, you know, they're going to have millions of decisions to make. So if you've got the ball... And, you know, how do I support you? Where do I run? What space do I move into? But you've got millions of decisions to make too. Where do I pass? How fast do I pass this ball? Do I pass to that player? Do I pass to this one? So our whole ethos over the last six months is not just to develop the players physically, but we actually need to help them become better thinkers. So everything we've done is a lot of game-based approach. So therefore, there's more games, there's more decisions. And therefore, I'm a big believer in the more you practice something, the better you become. So when the players have come in, we haven't hid behind the, the isolated practices where I pass to you and you pass to him and we just follow and pass, you know, when you pass around a circle. Everything's been really game-based and I think that has helped us to create better decisions and get players to form relationships and understand each other better. And how often do you train with the national team? Because obviously players are playing in different countries. Do they come together once every few months or just before an international match? So, so there are actually five international windows worldwide. March... June, September, October and November and then we're quite fortunate in Taiwan so say for instance the last camp was in June the week before the actual initial international dates we'll have our own little programme just for the local Taiwanese players 
So we'll have 24 players. And then what happens is we'll coach them for a week. We'll have a friendly. We'll do all the training. And then when the actual window starts, we'll release a few players, maybe six or seven. And then the China players come in, the professional players join us. So for that week, we'll probably have them about 15 to 18 days at a time. And talking about the international window, of course, your big games coming up are the Qatar World Cup qualifiers for the Asia region, where you've got Australia, Jordan, Kuwait and Nepal. And I believe your opening match is on September the 5th against Jordan, and that's at the Taipei Municipal Stadium. Uh, it's an exciting time for everyone. Uh, obviously, it comes around once every four years. But the idea is, is this. We want to move the programme forward. And I've looked at the last four or five World Cup campaigns. And in 2018, for that World Cup, Taiwan had no points in this process 2014 we were knocked out the first stage 2010 knocked out the first stage and 2006 no points again so I just feel this is now the time we can all make history it's a time for everybody to come together um, because if it's not us who and if it's not now when and if you had to pick one of these teams to be the toughest opponent Australia, Jordan, Kuwait or Nepal it's obvious to say Australia but coming from a coaching perspective, every game provides different challenges. We have to understand when we play Australia, they're going to dominate the ball. So when we win it, they'll be quite open and expansive. But actually, when we play Nepal, we're, it's going to be the other way around. We're going to have the ball and they'll just sit off and say, bring the game to us. So every game provides different challenges and that's up to the, the coaching staff to prepare the players. I get that. But in the actual answer to your question is probably going to be Australia. I believe they played Taiwan in an Asian qualifier a few years ago and they sent like a second team. That's the beauty of being the underdog because, you know, <laughs> it's always nice to be that underdog. Uh, people not worry about you and we understand that when we do play Australia, their shirt is going to be a lot heavier to wear than ours. And actually, we've got nothing to lose. Our programme has moved forward. The players are fighting. The mentality is right. Uh, hopefully, we can get everyone behind us and we've got nothing to lose and we're going to go for it. And what players should we be looking out for in the World Cup qualifiers? I think you've got to look at Chen Polian. Uh, he's our captain. He's, he's not just an incredible footballer, he's an incredible person. He's the chemistry, he's the glue, he gets all the players together. And the players look up to him. And as I said, he's an incredible man. And if he's going to be honest with himself, this is potentially his last World Cup as well. So he's going to give everything he can. You've got to look at the last international window. So the window's 10 days and an international team has two games. He flew from Guangzhou to Taiwan to play. Then he flew back to Guangzhou to play, and then he flew from Guangzhou to Hong Kong to play. So that takes, you know, to play three games in 10 days is incredible achievement, plus the flights, the time. So he's won, and, and you've got to look at the bright spark Shen Haowei at the moment. Uh, he scored two goals against Hong Kong. He's come in, he's been, he's been fantastic. His game has gone from here to there, and, you know, he's hungry. All the players are hungry, you know. Well, like I said earlier, the, your opening World Cup qualifying match is against Jordan at the Taipei Municipal Stadium. So what do you reckon of this stadium? Uh, it's a fantastic stadium. Um, it's, I think it's 20,000, 25,000. Um, but obviously it's, it's in a concentrated area. It's easy for people to get to. And the support, I know, will be, if we can get the stadium filled up, I know it can be the fans can be that 12th man and, and, and get behind us and get on our side. Right, what about your fan base? Do you have a loyal fan base that turn up for all the games? Yeah, uh, we have the Taiwan Ultras. Uh, you can hear them throughout. <laughs> We're trying to encourage them to bring more instruments. We want more drums, more trumpets. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're loud and they're 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 loyal. They're they're hot. You know, they're always cheering. And you know, we just want to not just them. We want to give all the people in Taiwan a team they can be proud of. Right, and of course, FIFA rankings. Here we go. Of course, in 
April to May of 2018, Taiwan was its highest ever ranking at 121st. And it's now 125th between the Philippines and Antigua and Barbuda. So the idea is to get the, the ranking down as low as possible. But actually to do that, I think we're on the right track because, as I said, our programme has moved forward. To do that, you need the right flights, the right hotel. The players need the right mentality. They need the right staff. And actually, the CTFA is in such a strong position. You know, the president is 70 years of age. He still plays football on a Wednesday night on the left wing. And I think that's an incredible thing. The technical director plays football on a Wednesday night. You've got the general secretary, Mr Fung, playing. We, we all play football. And to listen to all of us talk, I think it's quite infectious. There's a lot of electricity when we, we talk and get excited. So every, everything is moving forward. And it's only nine times out of ten. If, if you're doing the right things, the results will come. And if the results will come, then the, the ranking just takes care of itself. Well, obviously, before you came at Taiwan, you were in China coaching. Yes. So have you seen any big differences in the way that you run things here that you, and you would run them in China? Well, here's an international programme, so there's a lot of things you have to do behind the scenes, but obviously China was a club programme. Uh, but football-wise, I think it's it's a similar style in the sense that players don't really play forward enough. I think um, there's a lot of possession for possession's sakes. This looks pretty, I'll make that pass, I'll make this pass. Whereas there's a big difference between playing the game and contributing to the game of football. And I think players... Uh, need to contribute if there's going to be a goal can they contribute to that goal can they can they make that pass can they make that big tackle and I think that's the difference If there was a team that you could take Taiwan to play against internationally which team would it be? It's a difficult question Uh, Development wise I think every team can provide a challenge because there's games when you have possession you don't have possession and this position that position Uh, I I don't know I'm just fascinated by the game and I want to play football would you like to play England, though? That that would be fantastic. I don't think we're ready for that yet, just yet. <laughs> Give me another six months. <laughs> what about a league club? I mean, would you t- if you took them to England as a training, could you do that? Could you take them to England one summer, a yeah. bunch of blokes, and to play in sort of league teams in England? Well, well, actually, in our group, we've got Q8, and Q8 have done that. So they've gone around England. I think they played, uh, they played a non-league team, uh, Maidenhead. They played uh, Aston Villa under-23. So they've gone a, on a little trip. And then they've had the the West Asian the cup going on, so um, yeah, it's it's possible to do that. Yes, but you won't pick like Juventus or Milan or Liverpool for that one. I'll no, take no, it. no. <laughs> I think the question is, would they pick us? <laughs> That's true. You could play where town? <laughs> no, I don't like the pitch there. <laughs> There's a few divots from that left back position where I used to play from a few of those tackles. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Taiwan Talk with me, Gavin Phipps, and I've been joined in conversation this week with Lewis Lancaster, the head coach of Taiwan's national soccer team. And tune in next Monday for a new episode of Taiwan Talk.